Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And uh, Courtney, how are you on this fine sci-fi Sunday? Well, you know, I'm making it. It's only been, what, three days since we've spoken to each other? But a lot of summer has happened since then, so it's very hot hot in new york city and i'm melting um and then i've been in my apartment where it's been like a gazillion degrees and i went to starbucks to do some work on friday and i thought i was gonna like freeze to death like antarctica so it's been a very wild like weekend already but i'm hoping this is the hottest week of the year so hopefully we're coming out of it but uh on a like positive note I signed up for the gym again, which I haven't done in a couple of years. So I got to get moving. I got to get more active, especially because, like, I'm not working at the bar anymore, which was kind of where I was being active, you know, running up and down stairs and whatnot. Um, So I'm watching TV when I'm not working now where I sit at a desk. And I was like, yeah, okay, I got to get got to get moving. And so Friday I went to the gym before work. Today I went to the gym before work. And I also realized that when I shower up there, I get out in the air conditioning. And so I don't feel like I'm immediately sweating again. And so I now feel more encouraged to go to the gym just so I can shower there and not step out into sweltering heat. Um, so that's probably going to be good for my health, this like whole heat yeah. thing, as much as I hate it. But uh, that's that's what's doing my life, me just trying to like, you know, be healthy and whatnot. Um, you know, I said last week that I would probably just talk about London for the rest of my life because nothing else good will happen, which is entirely untrue. Um, I had a lovely week with my sister last week, uh, and I spent some time with Dan's family this weekend. It's fine. Everything's great, but I'm still talking about London. Um, I love it. I can't wait. And today I want to talk about something that, like, obviously I did all the castles and the Buckingham Palace and the London Eye and all the bullshit that everybody does when you go to London. Not that it's bullshit. I loved it. But (laughs) one of the things that I did. Typical stuff. Yeah, I did all the typical stuff. Talked about my nerdy stuff. But what I did that is, like, very particular to me kind of nerdy is... I found something that I didn't know existed. It's because it's not in downtown London. It's brand new. June was the first month that it existed at all. And it was, it is called the BBC Earth Experience. This sounds right up your alley. I don't even know what it's about. And it sounds like it's perfect. So basically, did you get a chance to go to like the Van Gogh exhibit or any of those like interactive things? No, I did do the Harry Potter interactive one when it was in Philly, but I didn't okay. really go one. Okay, but so basically, it's like this huge like room that's like multiple parts of the room and all these screens at all these different angles and everything. And then you just like there's bean bags all over the floor, and you just lay on the floor and you like watch in surround sound these David Attenborough Earth specials with like like IMAX. Yeah, but like better. Because it's, like, multiple different screens at different angles, and they're showing different videos of, like, it was, I literally, we spent, like, I think an hour in there, which is the whole loop of the video one time around, and I go, I could spend an entire day in here and not feel like I saw everything. Like, it's that much. And then in the gift shop, everything that they make in the gift shop is 100%, like, planet-friendly. Like this t-shirt, um, I got this there. It has macaws on it because in the video they were talking about how macaws mate for life and it was really cute and Dan was hmm. adorable. Um, and I'm a bird person, but... Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so this t-shirt is 100% recy- made from recycled material. And if I were to... It's hard because I'm not based in the UK, but like if I were to um, decide that I don't want it anymore or it doesn't fit or it gets a hole in it or something um, from anywhere in the UK, I can send them um, an email 
and they will send me a shipping label, I can send it back to them. They will pay for it to go back to them to get re-recycled and give me a $5 credit for the next time I buy something. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. Yeah. Come on, US, let's be eco-friendly. I, I also went to the London Zoo while I was there, which obviously David Attenborough has sponsored like large portions of and done all kinds of stuff for them. So I just, not only was I loving the Queen all week, I was also loving David Attenborough, who is like my other favorite human. So I love it. That sounds perfect. So yeah, that was my my fun. Because I, I did I, for those of you who don't live in our houses she was like i'm gonna talk about this and lift up her shirt and i was just like my car my car my car and then i was like i don't even know what this is gonna be about i hope it's not a parrot i was like i don't know what's even no happen. it is in fact but a macaw <laughs> you were correct yeah. it turns out i do know my birds even though i don't like birds. i actually don't mind macaws but i don't in general in general as a rule like birds so no while we were in um obviously like um i literally got like this close to one of the ravens at the tower of london i got this close to a peacock at warwick castle um i sat on the ground to have a conversation with a blue uh with a heart uh with a what's the name how is the what is the full name um a mongolian bleeding heart dove nope it's not mongolian i forgot what the m word is at the beginning but a bleeding heart dove just was sitting on the floor of the zoo hanging out with it um i did get shit on by a regular pigeon like a street pigeon um, well, that's supposed to be good luck yeah, right here. It, uh, yeah, um, a, per a bird, a pigeon flew into Dan. Like, we were just walking, and it literally just hit him and bounced, <laughs> like, flew into him. I had a bird more violent than New York City. Like, oh, no, the pigeons in pigeons. London are much more violent than the ones in New York City. The pigeons in London oh. are not fucking afraid of a goddamn thing. The pigeons here, at least, like, they just don't want to get out of the way, but, like, I haven't actually been hit by one. I've been close a couple of times, but I haven't actually been hit by one yet. No. Yeah. The pigeons in London do not care at all. Hmm. That's, that's good to know. Can't wait. Can't wait to experience that. Oh, that's great. What um, are you drinking in your cute holiday cup? Coke, because I thought I had Dr. Pepper at my house and I didn't, and so I'm really upset. Looks better. It's fine. I'm having water because, as hey. I mentioned, it's a thousand degrees, and apparently our air quality is going bad again. So it was like yeah. today when I was leaving the office. So that's fine. Can't wait. Living the best life. Um, you know what would help us live our best lives though? What is that? A little ounce of spirituality. Well, this is a quote that I have for you from the one and only Sophia Bush. And it's something to remember when you're trying to, like, be healthy and think about these things that God. you can't be too over the top about it. Because, as she says, life is too short and I'm Italian. I'd much rather eat pasta and drink wine than be a size zero. And, you know, it's about health. It's not about sizes. And Sophia Bush just nailed it. And I'm not Italian. Queen. I'm also not Italian, but I will live like i am well but i'm marrying into an italian family so like who knows i might be if i ever get married because i do live in new york city and that's true there's a few of those here just a few <laughs> um you know there's also only a few of stargate episodes oh okay we're being ironic i see <laughs> <laughs> well, there's clearly more than a few Italian men in New York City, so right. I thought I thought the joke kind of worked. It does, it does. Yes, there's definitely more Italian men in New York City than there are Stargate episodes. Yes, so, no doubt, but no doubt. only by like one or two. Um, yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> have started a new season of Stargate, though, and we are we watched Stargate SG One season four. Episode one, which was, um, I was watching it today at Dan and Doug's and Doug got home and he walked in the living room and 13 seconds into being in the living room goes, oh, small victories. Dan goes, what is wrong with you? Um, I love it. Yeah, we, the episode is called small victories. Um, yes, it is indeed. 
It is rated 8.5 stars. Uh, it premiered. Okay. Oh, did you not think so? I mean, I don't know. I just, so to be, to be fair, full disclosure, I watched this episode in about three and a half hours in multiple parts and had to rewatch a lot of seasons because a lot was happening yesterday while I was watching it. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I don't think, I think continuity might would have helped me a bit in my prediction, but I would have said like maybe seven, eight or something like, you know, not. Um, I think that continuity probably played a big part in your not being able to follow it because yeah. it was one of the, the few, one of the kinds of episodes that I didn't have to pause it to take notes because everything just flows exactly the way you want it to. Yeah. No, I didn't have a problem like with continuity, but it was like, I watched 10 minutes of it and then watched the next 10 minutes, like, 45 minutes later right no, so no, no, like, i'm saying just watching I'm saying, all the way through yeah i'm saying i i it was one of the ones where i watched it all the way through without yeah. pausing every couple minutes to take notes because it just worked and the notes made sense and everything flowed did, and yeah. i think and i think that that probably hindered your appreciation a mm -hmm. little bit probably um so, probably so because i still did enjoy it yeah it premiered on june 30th 2000 because remember we're back in that weird time where seasons start in the middle of the summer and we don't have to right. wait till the fall so like i was about to be like oh my gosh what is that is that close to now and i was like that is three weeks ago that it's correct. already happened it's um yeah the episode like our season three finale was mid-march and now it is the end of june like so we didn't could you imagine only having we to wait that long those. Do you imagine like now a network TV show ends mid February and then it doesn't come back till I don't know October if we're lucky yeah, if, if there's yeah, not a writer's strike September depending on when it started if it started a bit earlier so and then you have um, lovely things like the writer's strike where CBS announced its fall lineup and there's literally nothing but reality TV I haven't even looked at the fall lineups yet. But. No, um, they've extended Survivor and Amazing Race to 90 minutes a week because they don't have anything else to put on TV. Well, you know. And Big and Big Brother is on three days like normal, but in the yeah. fall prime time. You know. Happy writers. That'll strike. be fine. Happy writers strike. Hey writers, Jesus Christ. I'm so happy that SAG AFTRA joined them. Like but also, it's going to be a hot mess for a while. Um, also, we're not going to have any joy in our lives for a while. Danny, <laughs> could you imagine if you were watching, like, current TV on your podcast? <laughs> we would just be, like, joining every week and be like, here, we'll turn out 10 minutes of this one episode that premiered six months ago. It'll just be, like, it would just be like a, this is what happened in the strike this week. Yeah. Update. Nothing. Update. Um, yeah. The number one movie. Just watch movies that have already happened. The number one move, song in 2000, the end of June, was Be With You by Enrique Iglesias. Oh, he's going on tour. Is he? <laughs> I think it's him yeah. and Ricky Martin and somebody random. Somebody like more, okay. more recent. I used to think when I was younger that, like, Enrique Iglesias was, like, the young, hot version of Ricky Martin, but, like, now they're both old, and that means that I'm also old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll get you. That'll get you. Don't look at people that you used to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I now they're just somebody that. that you used to know. I want to write that down, but I threw my pen on the ground. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the number one movie was a movie that I feel like I must have seen, but I definitely didn't. Um, okay. My pen's also dead. Don't you love when that happens? Yeah. Write it in the notes on my phone while I'm talking. Um, it was The Perfect Storm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I watched it, but it was... Probably in like 2000. 2000. I watched it. Um, yeah. Uh, it seems like it was like a huge deal. It was. Um, <laughs> was it by. Was that with Mel Gibson? No. It was, it was George Clooney. Mm, mm -hmm. 
And there was somebody else, like, I was looking at the cast list, and I was like, that feels like a lot of people. Yeah, it was like, that, it was a pretty big deal. And it was like people that don't always work together, if I recall. Right, Like, yeah. but they were all big names. Um, yeah. But I think, the, yeah, I think I probably watched it once around that time. So it's, it's Yeah, so- like, I must have watched it once in the early 2000s and then never thought about it again. I also don't really like action movies, so that makes sense to me. Mm. I go back and forth, but but that one's actually really good. I think you would like that one. It's it's got a bit of drama to it, if I recall. Yeah, it sounded it sounded like it. Action. Um, speaking of things that have a lot of drama to them, though, uh, the number one book that day Ooh. was *The Indwelling* by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. I don't know that book. I've never read it either, but I do know that it is the seventh book in the Left Behind series. Oh, I wonder if I have read it then, because I definitely read most of, if not all of those books. I definitely um, read I the had first. A- <laughs> I, I definitely read the first one. I watched the movie that with Kurt Cameron in it. I never watched the movie. I just read the books. We had this like big like library in our church and I was there all the time for like BBS. Like my the friends I was going with their parents were always like running stuff and we had a library and it was since I was just there, I just read everything that was there. And so Yeah. I uh I think I think I read most of them, if not all of them. Um I blame this book series for my biggest fear in life. Like, well, I did read Revelations before I read the book series, so. Well, yeah, but my greatest fear for always, for as long as I can remember, is that, what, like, every time I wake up and I can't find my parents or something, I just assume mm-hmm. that, like, I missed the rapture. And the way that it happens in this series did not help that fear. No. Yeah, I think I've <laughs> talked about this before on here. I think so, too. Because um, I also, like, I have that, like, slight fear that whenever things don't go quite right, I feel that way. Like, yeah. if I oversleep and no one's called me, I'm like, what's happened? Is everyone yeah. dead? Is everyone yeah. gone? Um, Which is not the case so far. No, so far we're, we're still here. We're doing well. Um, on the 30th of June, 2000. The news was all either really boring or really depressing, so I didn't care about any of it. Um, That's but I did. Fi- That's probably for the best. I did find one thing that made me laugh a little bit because um, I always just go to the White House website and see what happened in the White House that day. And on the 30th of June, Bill Clinton signed a bill about electronic signatures using this thing called a smart card. And in his speech about this bill, he went on and on about how all Americans are going to be using these smart cards and we're going to be able to do everything online to pay our pay our bills, get a mortgage, like all of this stuff. And it might have been the most amusing thing I'd ever read. Like his heart. Like he's not wrong, but no. his reason is wrong. Or his like choice of well item. And then because then that also the bill was talking about like um the correct government monitoring and taxes on electronic signatures and online services. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Dark web, meet Bill Clinton. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I still don't know what the government, what the internet no. is governed by half the time. I'm going to an AI symposium on Wednesday. Oh, are like you? the 18,000th one I've gone to this year. Because no one knows what to do with it, especially no. in the creative world. Yeah, I think one of my eighth graders definitely used ChatGPT to write their final essay for my class. Oh, I would be shocked if everyone wasn't using it. Like I have two, I have two essays that I was like, "Yeah, you didn't write this." Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they did. Like, to be fair, they did fail the essay because they also didn't properly source it. Because on top of using AI, they also didn't have the AI put it in formatting, which. Could you imagine if I was using AI, how easy it would be to be like, also, this should be MLA? Right, right. BT-dub, MLA. Like, right. I feel like that's all you have to do. Yeah, so idiots. Um, but the episode 
we're not talking about idiots here. It was written by Robert C. Cooper, directed by Martin Wood, and edited by Rick Martin. So we've got Welcome back. all usuals. Um, the guest star of this episode, when I wrote these notes, I thought this guest star was in a lot more of the episode than they were. So apologies. Um, the guest star um, played someone named Yuri. Uh, who was one of the Russian naval officers. Um, <laughs> In that very opening scene. Which then was only the opening scene. Yes, correct. So, um, but uh, his name was Yurij Kass. Uh, he was known for Tron Legacy, um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, and Stargate. Oh, that's yeah. good that this is one of his top credits. In the opening yeah. scene, yeah, so. yeah. To be fair, he's a stuntman who was probably working on the show for a lot mm-hmm. of other things. Um, he he's primarily does stunts for these kinds of shows, so I think he was probably in other episodes or will be in other episodes doing stunt type stuff. But um, yeah, you're. Yeah. Uh, your three lines of Russian were that high subtitles. Yeah, that was on purpose, and we will talk about that. Oh, good, good. Um, so we start the episode on a submarine with everyone speaking Russian and no idea what is happening. Because, like Courtney said, even if you were watching the episode with subtitles, there were no subtitles for the Russian. Um, they open. There's some alarm going off on the sub. They're trying to figure it out. They open this uh, thing because they hear noises. And the replicator comes into the submarine and attacks them all. And then we get the credits. It's a great, yeah, thrilling. great, thrilling um, post-credits or pre-credit scene. Great I actually... opener. I actually would prefer all of my season, all of my shows to start with two minutes of complete Russian dialogue with a crazy attack and then the credits so that I never have any idea what's going on. Right. It's a lot of a, just introduce you to chaos right up front. Yeah. Um, we go back after the credits were in SGC and Janet is trying to tell Daniel that he still has to take it easy for a week. They're talking about the fact that they were able to get the secondary gate set up in the gate room. So they once again have a stargate. Um, and then the gate activates. So of course, Daniel immediately doesn't give a shit what Janet just said and runs to the no. gate room. I was like, that's not a week. That's not even close to a week, Daniel. Um, SG-1 comes through uh, and fills them in on what's been going on. They've been trying to get back to Earth for about a week now. Um, the Asgardians came They probably picked, thought they were left behind, too. Probably. <laughs> the Asgardians uh, came and picked Thor up and did not pick them up. Rude. Um, Jack asks permission to take a shower before they debrief, and um, Hammond says not only is he allowing it, he's insisting upon it, because apparently Jack smells absolutely rank at this point. I mean, um, like, you're waiting for a week. You haven't showered, probably, if you're waiting, just waiting in limbo for a week for someone to come Correct. That's a long time to not shower, um, especially after all of the physical activity that he did on the ship. Um, but also, apparently, in a week, Teal'c has been able to grow a blonde soul patch. That was rough. That was rough. Exactly. I, like, didn't even know how to feel about it. I was, I was like, who would have guessed that when Teal'c grows out his beard, his hair is blonde? Mark? Right. But didn't he have a soul patch in another episode? Like that was not real. It was a, either a dream sequence or a flashback. Yeah, no, he's never had a con- um what's the word I'm looking for? He's never had facial hair in in the main continuity. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, once they're all cleaned up and debriefed, uh, Sam is working in her lab um, using a piece, a block of the replicator to try to uh, learn what it is that they are dealing with. And Jack comes in because he is still trying to go fishing and he still wants Sam to go with him. But then in a scene that is an exact replica from the episode before, she stops him to let him know that he will once again not be able to go fishing because Major Davis and the Pentagon are on their way to... SGC. Right. Um, Major Davis fills us in on the fact that the replicators on the Russian sub killed everyone on the sub um, and that the U.S. now has the sub and the replicators are currently contained. They don't know how long that will last and they also don't want Russia to know what's on the sub. Right. Which, like, is fair. Um, so Jack's like, cool, blow it up. And they're like, yeah, because that worked I so mean, well like, the last time. Well, I guess it didn't work. It is probably still the best solution. Correct. Um, but then the gate oh, activates really hate- how much they look like spiders. It really bothers me. I feel like they look more like spiders than the last episode. Maybe I shouldn't look at them hard enough. But really bothers me. Then the Why can't we have like I'm so sorry. I keep it around. I'm just very distraught about that look. Like why can't we have a creature that is like it looks like a baby fox or something. Like we have these ugly worm things. We have these like spiders. Why can't we have something like cute? Like, it can be dangerous and cute. Have you seen those, like, bears in Australia? Those little tiny ones? They look they look dangerous. Super dangerous, but also super cute. I don't want to yeah. look away in disgust every time I see them. Like an Ewok. We have an Ewok. We did have an Ewok. It just wasn't actually an Ewok. It was a small child. Right, right. But, like, <laughs> it also wasn't, like, a huge danger that we're going to have to keep seeing. Right. Or I feel like we're going to see these for a while and they're distressing. While they're talking about blowing up the sub, I can't, I can't help you with the distressing look. I know them. it's okay. I'll just be distressed forever. It's fine. Um, the gate activates again. Um, but general Hammond is a little freaked out because there are no teams off world. So everybody runs to the gate room and the iris won't close. And Sergeant Harriman is trying to get it to close, um, but it, it won't. And then all of the power in the whole base disappears. I wonder and why. Thor wanders out of the gate. Bestie. Um, and he's like, thank you so much for saving my life. And Jack's like, thank God you're here. We need your help. And he's like, I can't. And they're like, but like, why? And he's like, because I'm here for your help. He's like, I've got my own problems. He's like, because we still don't know what, how to help. He's like, I came here by the gate instead of a ship because we literally don't have any ships left. Everybody's trying to fight the replicators and it's not going to happen. Um, and he's like, but the way you guys handled the replicators and the way you blew up that ship was really effective. And I think, um, that the Asgardians are just too smart to defeat this kind of bad guy. So So we uh, need you guys to come and dumb it down a bit. He was like, we need your attempts because they're a little less sophisticated. And Jack said, was it Daniel? No, Daniel goes, are you saying you need our help because we're dumber than you are? (laughs) Um, And that that is exactly what he's saying. Exactly. Exactly what Um, he's saying. So Sam volunteers to be the one to go with them 
speaking, the whole team can't leave because they have to deal with the replicators on the Russian sub, but Sam volunteers to go with Thor and deal with that side of it. And Jeff says, but aren't you too smart? Mm-hmm. But General Hammond says, no, it's fine. Go. You go. Take care of this. Um, right. So then Teal'c and Jack are basically on a Black Ops mission with a bunch of other um, I don't know who, what teams they're from. Because not everyone on this mission has SGC clearance. It's weird. Like, they clearly have to be informed about the replicators to be able to do this. But then there's something that happens later that makes it very obvious that they don't know everything. So it's very confusing. Right, right. But anyway, there's this team of Black Ops that are going to go recon on the sub itself. Um, we flash to Thor. And Sam and Thor are up um, in a spaceship on Asgard. And they're talking about all the ships. And they he shows her the O'Neill. Which is their newest, most That's advanced, so most wonderful ship. But it is not ready yet. Which is adorable because O'Neill is not ready yet. Right. Oh, so precious. Um, but, so, uh, he's like, she was like, where are we going if we're not taking that ship? He's like, well, we're going to go join one of the other ships that's that we're already out there. Because there's five ships out there and three of them are still Asgardian. And two of them have already been taken over by the replicators. So we're going to go try our best it's okay back on earth the sg ops team is going in to the sub and they find the bugs and discover that they are a different color than the ones we saw last time so that's interesting They also find that there's a queen bug who's, like, leading the replicating, which is really cute. Like a queen bee. (laughs) Yeah. So just think of them as bees instead of spiders, and it'll be fine. Mm, They don't look like bees. They, They don't. They don't really look like spiders either, though. They just have eight legs. More like spiders, though. Well, anyway, they started attacking, whatever kind of animal they are, they start attacking people. And they kill Stevens. Who the fuck was Stevens? We don't know, but now he's dead. Now we'll never know. Um, He was a red shirt, and it sucks. That is a reference that you don't really understand, is it? I don't. That means nothing to me. I'm sorry. Um, In Star Trek, um, Basically, anyone. Star Trek. Yes, I, I understand that. <laughs> but basically, in the old, in the older series of Star Trek, of Star Trek, anybody who was like the original series, anybody who was in the main team of Star Trek, um, of the Enterprise, the captain, Captain Kirk, had a yellow shirt, and they all had blue shirts. And any time a character had a red shirt, it meant that they were disposable and they were not going to last more than a couple episodes. <laughs> It got uh, so there's a trope where if there's a character that's introduced purely to die as part of the team, they're a red shirt. Like that is what they are. I see. I see. I'm gonna start labeling people I work with that way. Maybe they won't know either. We have so many interns right now that I can't even keep straight. I love it. Um, I don't I love, love that you have to work with that many interns, but I love that you're gonna just call them red shirts. Um, absolutely back in space Thor is trying to teach Sam about the replicators and he's telling her all these big science words and she is not having it um the only one that's really important for us to know is Charon which is apparently a kind of energy particle that is um we on earth have not discovered yet is is this the one they were saying was like stronger than Naquita or like the strongest form of Naquita? Or is this separate? no, no, no? This is separate. This is the the okay. energy particle that's just that is how the replicator blocks. Like, gotcha, replicate. gotcha, gotcha. Um. So then Thor makes I wrote Thor makes a replica replicator. Um. Uh, so that Sam could try to 
understand it a little bit better. Um, back on Earth. Oh, back on Earth, um, they have gotten off of the sub when they said that Stevens was dead, and a Charon block or a piece of the replicator was stuck in Teal's back. It, Janet pulled it out. Um, and they decide, well, that was a nice try, but we will have to blow up the ship. That's what we're going to have to do. Absolutely. 100%. The, then, Burn it this, all is, this is the only, this middle section was the most back and forthy, but so then it goes back up to Sam and Thor, who discover that they might be too late because the three Asgardian ships have now been taken over by replicators. Right. Is that the only ones we have left are those three and they've all been taken over? Is that what they were saying? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, back on Earth, Daniel discovers um, what that the reason the replicators are a different color and are still trapped on the sub is that the replicators are made out of whatever material they are absorbing to be to replicate. So these material, these um, replicators that are eating the Russian sub are just made out of steel, like an earth materials. So the piece that was in Tilk's bag. Wasn't it carbon and steel? Yeah. But like, yeah, but like normal earth materials. Right, right. The Something piece that was in, is. yeah, the piece that it was in was in Teal's back was corroded from having gotten wet with cleaning his wound and everything. Um, so Daniel was like, the thing is, sure, we could blow up the ship, we could cut it open and everything that's inside it would corrode and die. But the original replicator that came from Thor's ship that is made out of this Asgardian material will not obviously because that's how it got here in the first place so they're going to have to destroy that spider separately before they nuke the submarine great um sorry she's not my mind down i'm fine though everything's fine okay um sam and thor uh, back up there, have only two hours, and they still have no plan. So that's good. This is our building suspense moment of the episode, where they just give us scenes that show us that we don't know anything. Um, no one knows anything. Then we go back to the sub, where we see Jack setting up some C4. But again, no real plot there. Um, then we go back up to space, and Sam comes up with a plan. And to use the O'Neill as bait. She basically wants to use the O'Neill as bait because obviously the replicators want to get stronger. So they want to follow whatever material is the strongest material. And we know that this new ship is the strongest material. But if in order for the original ships, the older ships to go into hyperdrive, they have to turn their shields off, which we learned last episode when they were trying to save Thor in the first place. So she's like, we send O'Neill into hyperdrive. They follow it into hyperdrive. We self-destruct the ship and we'll take them all away with it. And Thor goes, that is risky. We can't do it. Yep. But also it's like their strongest technology. And he's like, you want us to get rid of our strongest technology. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, down on Earth, Jack blows up all the C4 and attracts all the bugs while he and Teal'c attack. That says Mama. They attack what? Mama. They attack Mama. That's what I wrote. Oh. Yeah, we were the mo- told the mother was... bug. No, the the queen. Oh, the see. queen. Yeah, the queen bug. The I mother see. bug. Yeah, they were calling it the mother bug and the home. queen. No, they were calling it the mother bug, and I wrote Mama. Apparently. Right, that tracks. Yeah. Um, back um in space, Sam's like, Yes, you were right. This idea is risky and it is stupid, but that's why you asked me to be here to give you stupid ideas, so just do it. <laughs> so he does. Which is um, fair. Yeah. Back on exactly Earth. Like 
Yeah, back on Earth, uh, Jack and Teal'c blow up the mother bug, but, like, it doesn't exactly go well because then every other bug in the whole ship starts to, like, attack them and try to hurt them for killing the mother bug, and they have no way to get to the escape route, and uh, Jack's like, at this point, you just have to blow up the ship with us inside it. It is a sacrifice. Yeah, he is, like, committed. He's like, and Daniel's like, can we not, please? Like, didn't we just do this, like, yesterday? Right. Yeah. Um, then... Oh, uh, then Thor comes back to Sam and says that we did launch the O'Neill. It heads into hyperdrive. The replicators chase it, and then we see a big, fancy supernova explosion. It works. Everybody's dead. Yay. Yay! Um... While that is being successful down on Earth, things are not being very successful. And uh, Derek and Major Davis, Derek, Daniel and Major Davis. I was um, like, I don't know who Derek is, but okay. No. Daniel and Major Davis finally give in and give the orders to blow up the submarine. And just in the nick of time, Thor whooshes. Jack and Teal'c out of the exploding submarine. Surprise! Surprise! Um, then uh, Thor tells them that he will, in fact, eventually help them defeat the Gowald, but that they have to understand that saving Asgard only saved that planet, not the galaxy. And um, right, right. these replicators are everywhere everywhere Mm -hmm. so um they are going to use some of the more uh caveman like uh techniques to Mm -hmm. do to help but that they have to save their galaxy before they can save earth as you know as you kind of has a pretty good handle on it yeah that's totally fair Um, I do have some trivia. I love trivia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when O'Neill, Carter, and Teal activate the gate as an off-world activation, like when they come in the gate, you can see the wide shot of the iris opening, the Giza glyph, um, the, the point of origin on the Alpha Gate. However, this is supposed to be the Beta Gate, as the Alpha Gate is at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean in the wreckage of the Asgard ship. So they said that they were bringing in the new gate, but then didn't actually change the prop. And then they're liars. Um, this is the first episode to include a fully CGI rendered Asgard. So we see that fully the whole planet. So when I said it was CGI last time, I just was predicting the future. The the city is CGI, like the planets and the, oh. the pl- no, oh, not an Asgardian. No, the planets gotcha, and gotcha. the spaceship when they're looking out at it, that whole thing is CGI. Yeah. That um. This season, oh, this season opener returned to the original character montage opening credits. Yeah, that were used in season one and two, but not in season three for some reason. But are they the same, like, credits? Like, are they the same scenes entirely? Or is it just I the same style? did not pay attention. I'm going to be honest. I can tell you that next week. Um, right. Next week's trivia. Yeah. Um, Major Davis informs Derek. Or I keep saying Derek. I don't know who Derek is. I don't know is. where you've gotten this from. Um informs Daniel that the Dallas is standing by to torpedo the Russian submarine. The USS Dallas is an actual submarine in real life. It is a Los Angeles-class nuclear-powered fast attack submarine, and it is notable that it was featured in the Tom Clancy novel and hit film The Red Hunt for Red October. The Dallas was launched on April 28, 1979, and decommissioned by the Navy on April 4, 2018, making her one of the longest active-running submarines in U.S. naval history. Um, as of January 2019, the Dallas is docked in a mothball fleet, though there are plans to make her a museum ship. 
when the funds are raised oh. to be able to do so. Nice. Um, uh, this is the introduction of the blonde soul patch on Tuke. The introduction? That means it will come back? Yeah. Okay. Cool, um, cool story. The other Asgard that um, appears on the screen behind Carter on um, the video clip is just repeating the exact same lines that the two Asgard said in the fifth race. It's just reused footage. Um, the submarine was a Soviet Russian Foxtrot class B-39. It had been decommissioned in 1994 and was stored in Vancouver from 1996 to 2002. Uh, it became an exhibit at the Maritime Museum of San Diego in 2005, but um, in 2021, it was withdrawn from the collection and subsequently scrapped. Rude. But okay. um, and these are the two fun ones that are the reason why there were no subtitles in the beginning. I'm so excited. First of all, the two men speaking to each other in Russian. One was speaking Russian. The other was speaking Ukrainian. So those are not the same. They're not. Also, um, this is my favorite. Um, the Russian submariner, before opening the torpedo tube, asks his comrade or answers the, the. So the first one says, "What do you think is in there?" in Russian, and when he opens the tube, what he actually said in Russian is, um, "Maybe it's a bug from the previous episode." Stop. Oh, Stargate. Oh, Stargate. You uh, silly Willy. Yeah, Doug was like, you are going to talk about that on the episode, right? And I was like, of course I'm going to. Of course. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah, it's great. Good times. So, um, what are your thoughts? Overall thoughts? on that episode um, i i liked it like i said i yeah. was very distracted while watching it much like i have been today um oh, i get it, get it together sadie it. i know she literally was asleep until we started recording and now she's been like all over my room since then um but yeah no i really like it um i know you've mentioned in the past the replicators are like the next big bad um so i'm wondering like are we gonna annihilate them in a country and then like in a couple of like maybe in a season they'll be back on asgard like are we gonna have a lot of like reruns with them almost or so i don't know i'm just kind of like trying to figure them out still kind of like their place and whatnot um we didn't see any gold in the season opener so that was interesting. We'll see where we're going with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I almost died when Carter hugged Thor. That made me so happy. Oh, I know. It was so, great. That was precious. It was a very precious episode. Like, it had so so many little, like, yeah. random cute things in it. Which also means that this might be a hard question. Who do you want to punch? The replicators. Fair. It's, it's really but like, fair. I guess not too hard because if I break them in half, they just replicate. I don't know. Yeah. But like, um, I he didn't really do anything wrong in this episode. He doesn't really ever do anything wrong. He just kind of irks me some days. So I'm going to punch Major Davis just because he's there. He His dynamic like throws way. things off. Yeah, it's not like. He's just not quite right. Just not yeah. quite right. Yeah. Um, and who is your MVP? Carter. She's just so smart. Even for, I guess, a dumb human. Yeah, she that's totally fair. Saved the whole Asgard planet. She did, in fact. Um, I am going to pick Thor. For understanding that sometimes you, it's not about superiority. It's about knowing when you're not looking at things from the right point of view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good leader, very smart, very yeah. smart. 
All right. Well, that is everything for this episode. Um, next week, we will be talking about season four, episode two. Um, which, which is interesting. Um, Are you going to give me I, a, little, a little teaser? Yeah, I'm going to give you a little teaser as soon as I remember what, what it's about. It's about. Um, yeah. Um, I. My little teaser is that in the next episode, Daniel is not the one who rushes headlong into things that before he shouldn't. Well, I bet it's Jack then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but yeah, um, there there is a new race that we haven't Lady? seen before. Oh, there's, there's a new race that we haven't seen before, and uh, Daniel is not the one making stupid decisions. Great, I love that for Daniel. Good, Me good too. on him. Yeah, one in a row, one in a row. Well, two. He didn't do anything that stupid this time. In fact, That's he's true, the only one. Like he's the only one race. who figured. He's the only one who figured out that the replicators were different on Earth than they were in space. I did. I figured it out. Yeah, but you couldn't help them. No, I am zero percent help. <laughs> Even if I was there, I would just give up. Yeah. Um. Well, with that, if you have any questions for us, um. You can email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. If you would like to um, talk to any of us on the so talk. <laughs> if you want to talk to us on any of the social media, you can follow find us anywhere at Death and Aliens. And you can follow me personally everywhere at EMKAY underscore superstar. And you can follow me and Sadie, who has been a big guest this episode, at CECloud13. And with that, we will see you on Thursday for our f episode of Thriller Thursday, where we go into the first episode of The Exorcist television show. So excited. So, so see you it's going to be a fun one. See you then. Bye. Bye.